Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Sports Unlimited on Southern Sports Central, and it starts right now.
Hello, can you hear me? Yes, sir. How you doing? Pretty good, pretty good. Having some uh, technical issues, uh, but I got it figured out now. First off, congrats on uh, being hired as the new head coach over at Midland Valley. What was – I know you had a meeting uh, shortly after you um, – after you were hired, what was your message to the team in that first meeting after being hired? Um, biggest thing I wanted them to know was, one, that I was excited for the opportunity. Um, wanted them to know that I thought, you know, we could really get this thing going in the right direction, um, but that it would require a lot of work. Um, wanted those guys to really understand that we cannot do things the way we've done them in the past, um, if we want to see different results. And that's kind of been the thing I've been been pushing towards those guys every day um, that we've been practicing and doing things. Yeah, like, like you mentioned, you've, you, came into, uh, you, you came into the program right as spring practice was starting. How has that transition mm-hmm. been going thus far? Um, obviously, again, you know, we were a little bit behind everyone else. Um, you know, most people were having spring games this week and wrapping up their spring practice. And this was, I guess, technically our first week. We started on Monday. Um, so we're a little bit behind. Uh, we're going five days this week. We'll be practicing again today. I'm just trying to make up for as much lost time as we can. Um, but we're not going to rush the process either. I'm going to take the time, get the guys to understand, you know, what things I want to implement how I want to go about practice, you know, what things will be different from what they were before. Um, so kind of also understanding those guys have to go through an adjustment period um, and adjusting to me as, as being a new head coach. You you mentioned, uh, you know, other schools right now playing spring games. Are you planning on doing a spring game uh, this season? No, no. With the timeline of everything with spring practice, um, the high school league says uh, Memorial Day actually is the last day that you can actually practice for spring. Um, so that, which is why most people are finishing up either last night or today. Um, so with us, you know, we really, with everything and just the process that I had to go through with, with Aiken County and getting all my paperwork and stuff turned in, it really only left us a week of work. Um, and with having to have three days in helmets and then transition into full pads, we would really only get five days of practice. Um, so I didn't think we would be prepared to be in a, a position um, to really be able to have a spring game at this point. Uh, we just wanted to focus on just trying to get better every day. And this, this team struggled a lot last season. What do you have to do to get them back to winning, and how quickly do you think this team can get back into a position to win? You know, um, the biggest thing we have to do is change, you know, what we put into it. Um, And that's, again, what I've been challenging those guys to understand. Uh, You know, we have to be consistent in our attendance um, and being at practice and being at workouts. Every day miss puts us behind our opponent. Um, so that's one of the things that I've really been preaching to these guys is, you know, we have to be consistent in being here uh, and putting our work in, and that will allow us to, to, to change the culture um, into what we want it to be. Now, for us to be able to be able to compete in the future, I think it's just going to depend on how fast um, everybody gets on board with what I want to do with the vision that I have for the program. Um, 
resistance will take us longer. Um, buy-in will, will help us get there a lot sooner. How, based on what you've been seeing, how has that buy-in been uh, by the player? Oh, it's coming along. It's coming along. And, again, one of the things that uh, caused us a little bit of issues is obviously people were waiting on me to get hired. Um, so or whoever the hire was going to be. So a lot of guys, um, you know, are working, have, you know, vacations planned and things of that nature um, that were planned before I was hired and before I was able to get, you know, our schedule and our plan out for the summer. So still kind of working through some of that stuff, um, but the buy-in is there. Our numbers are increasing every day, um, seeing new guys coming out. Um, so I mean, I've already had to get new helmets ordered because of our numbers increasing. Um, so it's looking, it's trending in a positive direction, I would say. You you mentioned summer workouts. What's your biggest goal and, and your biggest focus when it comes to moving into the summer? Well, one, biggest focus, again, is just bringing the, the group together. Everyone continuing to get to know each other. Uh, myself. The, our, our coaching staff uh, brought some new coaches in, continuing for us to gel as a staff, and then also the players getting to know us as a staff and then continuing to, to come together as a team as well. Um, that's kind of the biggest goal for us mentally overall, but we obviously have to improve physically as well. Uh, we want to get bigger, faster, stronger, just like everyone else does in the summer. Um, so we're really going to uh, tweak some things, how they've been done in the weight room, um, and hopefully we'll see those desired results when the fall comes. And you, you guys, I think, if I remember correctly, I think it opened last, this past season. Uh, you guys have some very nice facilities out there. Uh, brand new turf, brand new stadium. How much does that help uh, in bringing out the players and, and really showing, hey, we, we've got culture here, we've got the facilities, we've got the resources necessary to win? Well, I think one of the things that's really helping us, honestly, is is what we want to do offensively. Um, last year, they were more of, I guess, wing T style of offense. Um, and, you know, you just have a lot of those skilled kids kind of turn away from those style of offenses because they don't see where they fit in. Um, so I think kind of changing the offense a little bit has increased some interest. Um, some of the stuff we're doing just to create an atmosphere um, even at practice, you know, bringing the music out to practice, doing those sort of things, just creating more energy, um, trying to practice at a higher tempo and be more efficient with our time. I think the kids are recognizing that, you know, things are just going to be different than what they were before. Um, and that word starting to spread. And like you said, with, with uh, some, some new facilities and new weight room, things of that nature, um, just the, the community, the administration, everybody is ready to see this thing uh, get back to where it was a few years ago. Um, so everybody's doing everything they can to help that process move quickly. You, you mentioned how they ran the wing tee prior to you coming in, and you want you know you want to change that and get more you know more focused on the skill players. Is that are you playing? I run the spread or what? What's your offensive well, strategy at Midland? You know, that was about my first team meeting with the guys. That was one of the first questions I was asked when I opened the floor. Coach, what kind of offense are we going to run? Um, and, again, I, I'll say spread, but spread is a very, very generic term uh, yeah. to me anyway. Uh, you get a spread formation, but what are you doing 
you know, in those formations. So, yeah, we'll be – we'll have more wide receivers on the field than what they had last year. Um, but we still want to establish the run. That's going to be something that's important for me as a head coach. I believe in that um, just in my experiences and where I've been. Um, you know, teams who are able to run the football efficiently usually have success. So we'll have – we'll be in more spread formations, I would say, but that doesn't mean we're going to be throwing the ball 40 times a game, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Oh, that that makes a ton of sense <laughs> uh, because, you know, sometimes you, you do have offenses where, yeah, they're in the shotgun every single yeah. play, but right. half the time they're running the ball. Correct. Correct. So we're, we're still going to be balanced off uh, – I want to be balanced offensively. Uh, but yeah, the formations will look different than what they looked, what they were last year. That it's going to be quite the shock uh, over at Midland this year, seeing uh, a spread offense out instead yeah. of the, the wing tee. That's that's quite the change. That's for sure. I think we have some guys who, who can get it done, man. I, I've been impressed with what I've seen. Um, throughout this first week at our skill positions, at our wide receivers and running backs. Um, even have a, a kid I really like, um, kind of as a, a tight end type position. Um, so I think we have the guys to be able to get it done. Certainly sounds like you're building the culture that that can get it done over there. And I, I wish you all the best of luck Uh Thanks for joining me this morning, and uh, and good luck with your last couple of practices and heading into the summer. All right, man. Appreciate it. Thanks, Brandon. Thank you very much. That was Earl Chapman, the new Midland Valley head football coach. And uh, yeah, sounds like he's got some some big uh, some, big some big things planned. Sounds like he has some big things planned for uh for the twenty twenty, twenty twenty one season. Um and yeah, you know, it it's always good it, it's always quite the shock. I'm I, I'm gonna be very interested. I, I would love obviously, you know, with my commitments it's and and with the distance it's it's hard to see uh it's hard to see the uh, you know any other games really around the state, but I would love and and I, I wish I had Lou Bejak coming on this morning because I'd ask him this question: How fun is it going to be to see such a such a drastic change in offensive philosophy? Because, you know, yeah, you see, you know, when a new head coach comes in, pro, college, high school, whatever, when you have a coaching change, of course they're going to change the philosophy, they're going to change the the culture, they're going to change their strategy, they're going to bring in their coaching style into a program. And it doesn't really matter what the what the style was in the past. It's okay. I'm here now. So this is how we're going to do business. And you know, you either get on board or you move on, but 
having that drastic of a change has to be interesting to watch because that's a, that's essentially equivalent to saying, oh, we're going to hire someone new at Army. I mean, well, here, here's a great example. Look at Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech a few years ago, I, I'm drawing a blank on, on the head coach's name who was there, but I'm, I'm drawing a blank on their head coach's names at, at the moment. But when they had their old head coach back a few years ago, they were running the option. They were running the, the Army-Navy style option. And that was their offense. And then they get rid of him, they hire a new head coach, and they move to the spread. And look at how different their offense is now as compared to how it was back then. So that's the kind of thing that is so crazy to see uh, is, you know, what what kind of thing, um, you know, how, how that change uh, impacts the team, impacts the culture of the team, uh, impacts fans, impacts so many different things just off of one little strategic change. And so it's going to be very interesting. Uh, and I would love, you know, if you're out in, if you're out in that area, if you're out in the Midland Valley area, I would definitely say go go check out a game. This this team may not be great. You know, look, you know, you you look at their their shed, their record from last year. You know, yes, of course, last year it was a little different. Uh, you know, they they didn't have spring practice. They it was a truncated season, all of that. But, you know, they only went one and five. Their only win was against Blacksburg in non-region play. They lost all their region games. This team has some work to do. But a new offense, new head coach. Who knows? Now, are they going to, are, are they going to, the likes of North Augusta and South Aiken? You know, are are they going to compete? Be able to compete with the top dogs in that region, like North Augusta and South Aiken? Maybe eventually, but it's going to be tough, especially North Augusta. North Augusta, you, you in that region especially, is is the top dog. But is it possible? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. They could get on a run. They could get hot. And and just just the fact that you get to see that change, that transition from, you know, very run-heavy, you know, wing-T offense to now running a spread, that's, uh, 
That's quite the change, to say the least. So, you know, we'll have to wait to see how how that works out, how that plays out for them. But I'm I'm definitely it's definitely something that has me intrigued. That's for sure. Uh, so great great conversation with Earl Chapman. Uh, this morning, you know, as we, not quickly, we still have a few months left to go, but for me especially, um, quickly, uh, beginning of football season, obviously, for, for the coaches, you got summer workouts coming up in just a little over a month, um, you know, so... It's going to be a fun couple of months. And and while I'm at it, since I've got some time and and I've got and I'm ta- we're talking about the future here. Let me just uh use this moment uh to mention not 100% sure yet whether I will be doing a show next week. Um that's still up in the air next week, but we'll definitely we'll post on Twitter one way or another. So be sure to check out uh, at SO Sports Central. Uh, give you all the updates there on whether or not I will have a show next week. But definitely after that, won't have a show until towards the end of July. Uh, won't have a show until the fourth week of July. The 23rd will be the next uh, date that I will have a show. Uh, call, calling some baseball down here uh, in Myrtle Beach, Beach Collegiate League uh, baseball coming coming in uh coming up in June throughout the month of June. So we'll have games all June if you want to check that out. Look up Beach Collegiate Baseball League on YouTube. We'll have the games there. Uh if you want to listen to some good baseball throughout the summer or throughout the month of June. Uh morning game well, throughout the day games. Uh primarily morning but but during afternoon games as well. Uh be sure to check that out. And then I'll take the first couple of weeks of July as as a little vacation for myself. Uh and then, you know, once once we come back July we we get ready we are right into football preview season. You know, we'll have each week uh, right up to the last, the last week will be kickoff week. Uh, for the previews, we'll have previews of I'll have previews of each classification. Run down who who to expect to be the top the top dog. Uh, who to expect to you know maybe surprise people in each classification. Everything uh, for you know for the 
regular season as we prepare for that um, starting on the 20th of August. So that's the schedule uh, for the next couple of months for me. Um, And so we'll take a quick break and I'll come back talk about some uh I'll, I'll talk about the um or actually yeah yeah I'll t- I'll talk about the high school baseball playoffs when I come back and then we'll talk and then uh at 8:30 got Josh Vincent coming on the new Sox head AD and then we'll talk about Brandon we'll talk with Brandon Dunn at 9 and then we'll wrap up, wrap things up with some national news. So stick it, keep it locked right here on Sports Unlimited on Southern Sports Central. We'll be right back. Hey yo, you ready? Let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah. Pop, pop, the 
the flip, love it, place nothing above it, it's on like that, don't believe we ain't going like that, we're always going to be here, we there. SEHSL baseball playoff news and notes. Are you ready for the championship series? At the bottom, we'll start with 1A. And surprise, surprise, look who's in another state championship final. It's outside Christian. They face off against Lakeview, so a local school here on the Grand Strand making it into, well, PD, really, but uh, making it into the state championship game. We'll talk to Brandon Dunn about what he thinks uh, about Lakeview's chances against Southside Christian uh, later on. Uh, Southside Christian just dominating uh, pretty much everyone. Uh Beat low country leadership. They were a two seed uh, and dominated low country leadership, twenty four to four. Then beat Bamberg Earhart three nothing. Uh, beat well both beat Bamberg Earhart three nothing in the second round, and then proceeded to beat them again in the third round uh, after Bamberg Earhart beat low country leadership themselves uh, in the consolation or in the uh, losers bracket. And, uh, you know, for, uh, and, you know, and then, uh, Lakeview was able to beat Green C. Floyd's, uh, which that was a good, that was a good matchup between the two, or at least I thought it would be, uh, but Lakeview just dominating the Trojans, uh, in, in the lower state finals. And for, uh, in the upstate, you know, Southside Christian just well, Southside Christian surprisingly they actually lost their first game. They lost their first game losing to McBee, but then proceeded to beat Great Falls, dominated McBee in the rematch, and then beat Ridge, Ridge Spring Manetta uh, in two games. Actually, you know, uh, you know they had to win two games in order to make it uh, into the lower state finals. Or in the upper state finals, rather, and then uh, and then in the upper state proceeded to beat Whitmire pretty handily. But this this all leads to but before I move on to the other classifications, 
this leads to something, and, you know, this is a question that as we get closer and closer, you know, at the end of the year, we start talking about reclassification or realignment again. Uh, as we get closer to the league talking about realignment again, this is something that, especially as next season starts, if this continues and, and they win another football championship, et cetera, et cetera, it's going to be something that people are going to be wary of. And, you know, we had this year thus far. Girls soccer, they were in 2A in girls soccer because girls soccer doesn't have a 1A. And they they made it to the state championship. They lost to St. Joseph's. Looking at boys soccer. Let's go through all these. Boys soccer, they win the state championship in 1A. Let's go. Uh, we're going through all the team sports. They they don't they don't play lacrosse. So you don't have to worry about that with them. You know, you you go to basketball. Go go to basketball. Girls basketball, they made it to the state championship. It's a military magnet, but they made it to the state championship. Boys basketball win the state championship. You know, volleyball. Let's look at volleyball. Let's look even at the you know at the non-revenue sports. Volleyball, they won the state championship in one A. Football, we already know they won the state championship. In every single, which is ironically, Lakeview has an opportunity of redeeming, of you know, getting a little bit of payback for losing to Southside Christian in the football state championship this year. Looking, you know, every sport, every team sport this season, Southside Christian has either made it to the state championship or won it. And now the the argument can be made, and, and, every, and a lot of people have been making it, of, okay, yeah, they're good now because they they dropped down from, from 2A to 1A, but will this really last beyond this season? And the answer to that, I don't really have an answer for you there. You know, they they could they could remain every you know in every sport. I mean, you know, but see, think about it. And and people will say, oh, they they don't deserve to be down in one A. They they should be in two A, and, and that's why they're being so dominant. But some teams are just dominant no matter what classification you're in. Look at Dutch Fork. Dutch Fork, and and we'll get to that in a little bit when it comes to baseball. But Dutch Fork, look how many consecutive state championships they've won. What are we going to do about them? Now, obviously, they're in a class of their own, even at 5A especially in football, 
we'll see how things go this season, this upcoming season, with with them losing Will Taylor and a few other notable names. But there's still every year, every year. It's like the Patriots, you know. And I talked about this. Rich and I talked about this a lot during the football season. It's like the Patriots, or it's like Alabama. Every year you're thinking, more more so Patriots than Alabama, but every year you're thinking, is this going to be the year that they finally show signs of starting to lose a step? And you're thinking, okay, maybe this will be the year. But then it never happens. So... Yes, you can make all the arguments you want about, oh, they're they're in the wrong classification, they need to be moved up, et cetera, et cetera. But who knows if they'd be dominating 2A? I mean, they were doing well in 2A before they got moved down to 1A. They weren't, you know, they weren't winning state championships left and right, but, you know, doing well. So the concept that Oh, the only reason why they're winning is in is because they're in one A. I don't buy that. Do I think the SEHSL needs to look at it and see, okay, do we maybe you know, is this are they too above and not everyone that they need to be up into A just for competitive parity? Maybe. Maybe. But let's see how next year goes first. And maybe even the year, maybe even the next, give them another round of realignment to see after a full class goes through if they're still being that dominant. Then then maybe you move them down, move them up. That's my thought on the matter. But I'm sure I'm sure as we proceed, I, I'm th- this topic will not this will not be the last time we talk about this topic. That's for sure. As we as we head towards uh, having as we head towards um, you know as we head towards realignment because this is a realignment year. Upcoming, obviously, not currently, but realignment talks will start to heat up, and and they'll do the proposals, and they give all the realignment and all of that at the end of this year. Well, end of this year, beginning of next year. Uh, Or actually, no, I take that back. It's more towards the the middle... Early mid of next year, normally around like February, is when realignment comes up. So we'll see. We'll we'll see if that's the case. We'll see what happens there. But moving on, moving on to two A. Two A is is a little behind because of what happened uh, with Legion. And 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 everything that happened with Region Two, 
So we're not quite into the state championship yet there. Uh, actually, not even into the lower, upper and lower state championships. Uh, upper state right now, Crescent is, is in. We're still waiting to see who will be the um, – who who will come out of uh, District 2, and that game will be played tonight. Or excuse me, I think that was already played, or even might be played tonight. Um, we'll we'll see. Yeah. Um, but Legion Collegiate against Great Collegiate. Eh. <laughs> All of the purest worst nightmare of the two collegiate schools facing off against each other. But either way, you have one of those two getting in. Andrew Jackson uh, and Lada have already made it uh, in the lower state. Uh, and they will. that will actually start tonight. Game one will be tonight between Andrew Jackson and Lada. Um, so keep, keep an eye on that, that, you know, those games are going to be, it's going to be interesting to see how that works out. Um, I, I think, I have a feeling Lada will probably win that. Um, and I have a feeling either one of the collegiate teams, uh, that make it in. I think will more than likely uh, not just win the upper state, but I think they'll win it all. Um, like I mentioned, next week, like I mentioned, may have its show next week, may not. We'll see. And if if I do, that'll definitely be one of the focal points because that tournament may still be going on. Well, actually, will more than likely still be going on. Moving up to 3A, we've got the uh, state championship ready for that one between West Oak and Gilbert. I, I think I think I gotta go with Gilbert there. Um, you know, West Oak beat Powdersville pretty handily, not too handily, but and then Gilbert beat Strom Thurmond, who I thought I thought Strom Thurmond was going to be the odds-on favorite. Uh, if you remember talking about it last week, I was thinking Strom Thurmond was the uh, odds-on favorite to not just make it into the state championship, but win it all. And the fact that Gilbert was able to beat them and beat them pretty pretty handily in two games, uh, you know, I, I think Gilbert certainly has a chance of, of winning it all. I'd have to pick Gilbert to win win the series. Uh, for, uh, for a, uh, I think it's pretty self-explanatory. Who's going to win this? They've been the favorites the entire season. From the beginning of the season, you know, I remember back in March when, when Lou Bezak and I were talking about it, he said, oh, AC Flora, they're the, top team. They're, they're the top team in the state. They're more than likely going to win it all. 
and shown it. <laughs> they they have certainly shown it. Uh, game uh, in the lower state, they need a game. They need game three, which will take place tonight between Buford and James Island at Somerville High School tonight at six thirty. Uh, and I I got. Hmm. This is a tough one, actually, because I I want to say Buford is going to win this game. But at the same time, James Island has been playing very, very well. I think I have to go James Island, actually. I think, I, I think I'd have to go with James Island. But I think that... It's going to be a very close game. Thus far in the series already, it's been very close. Each game being won by no more than two. James Island beat Buford 4-2 in game one. Buford then came back and beat them uh, 5-4 in game two. Both of the home teams won. Technically, this is a game, but obviously in baseball, you need a a home and and away team. According to the SEHSL bracket, James Island will be the home team. So they'll have last licks, which could play a factor in a game between such evenly matched teams. But at this point, in my opinion at least, these two teams are basically just fighting to see who's going to get dominated by AC Flora. AC Flora has yet to lose a game in in the in, in the tournament. And the and the the smallest differential between them and their opponent, the the smallest scoring margin was 4 in the District 2 championship game against York. Who, prior to that game, in the game previous, they walloped 13-1. So, AC Flora, if they don't win the state championship in 4A, it's going to be a shocker. And, oh, Speaking of shockers, let's go to 5A. Let's round things off with 5A. Somerville. I mean, don't get me wrong. Somerville's a great team. Well, first, before we get to Somerville, Somerville's a great team, and, and they were one of the favorites. So, I, you know, Somerville deserves to be there. Before we talk about Somerville, let's talk about Berkeley. Berkeley, they get destroyed 16-6 by Dutch Fork in in the second round in in district play. Have to go into the losers bracket. Beat St. James barely back into the district championship game. 
and have to be Dutch Fork. Dutch Fork with a with a major league prospect on their team. Who's expected to get to get drafted in the first round. They have to beat him twice. And Berkeley does it. Six five, eleven to seven. That has to be I mean, there there have been some huge upsets in, in a bunch of different sports this this season. But I think that might have to be one of the biggest. Because Dutch Fork and you know, if if someone beats AC Flora, that may be a bigger one. Or, you know, if whoever makes it into the state championship beats AC Flora and Flora, that may be bigger. But this is, this this is big. This this was big. Berkeley beating Dutch Fork to make it into the lower state championship. But but then they couldn't capitalize on it. They kind of had a bit of, uh, you know, they had a bit of a hangover from beating Dutch Fork. Now they came very close. Both games were were within one. But Somerville then proceeded to beat Berkeley in two games. And now they get to face Hillcrest. And you have to, I would have to say that Somerville is the odds on favorite here. Somerville has a couple of great players that are going, you know, the 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 two Messinas that are both going to South Carolina. They're going to be hard to beat. They are going to be very hard to beat uh, going into the state championship game. Well, state championship series. And so, like I mentioned, Depending upon how some of these series go, which uh, all of the all of the ones outside of the ones that aren't finished, actually even those may, uh, all the ones that are finalized right now start on Tuesday, the first. So these series may not be over by next week. De- depends upon how they go. So depending upon how they go, that may at least play a factor as to whether or not I do a show next week. So we'll see. Uh, but yeah, so you know, we're we're getting towards the end of the end of the school season and the end of the twenty 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 one season. Um, if I do do a show next week, we'll probably do a bit of a recap of the overall, uh, season as a whole, which this has been one of the craziest years, probably the craziest years for, you know, not just high school sports, but sports in general and the, you know, the world at large, obviously, um, especially for high school sports. You know the the 
you know, the way last season ended, obviously, with spring sports getting cut short, and then all the uncertainty in the summer of are we even going to be able to play? Do we push football back to the spring, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But we got through it. We, you know, we were able to get through it. There were, you know, there were certainly some bumps in the road. I had a bunch of postponements in football, had a bunch of uh, stops and starts in basketball, lots of, you know, lots of craziness occurred um, throughout this year. And All I can say to it is that I'm glad that we were able to get through it without any big problems. Yeah, yeah, there were some games that were missed and some games that were pushed back and all of that. But all in all, all in all, we were able to get through an entire season or get through an entire year that a lot of people you know I I mentioned it myself back in you know back in July and August when there was a lot of uncertainty I was saying you know I don't know how I don't know how you can do this you know I especially with the you know you know, how would the dynamics look? And that was the big question. But we were able to get through it and not only get through it, but be able to, you know, have a great season. So, you know, if, if nothing else, Give yourselves a round of applause for, you know, just getting through, um, if nothing else. So that'll just about uh, – that'll be uh, – that'll bring me to the bottom of the hour break. Uh, like I mentioned – at the bottom of the hour, we'll have Josh Vinson, the new coming on, talk to him about his plans for the future at Sockasty, how he can keep up with everyone else, not just in the region, but uh, around the area here on the Grand Strand. He's got some big plans, and, and we'll talk to him in just a little bit. So we'll take a quick break and come right back with Josh Vinson right here on Sports Unlimited on Southern Sports Central. I got the horses in the bag, horse stock is attached. 
Daddy's mad at black, got the boosters black to match. Riding on a horse, ha, you can whip your horse. I've been in a valley, you ain't been up off that porch now. Can't nobody tell me nothing. Welcome back to Sports Unlimited right here on Southern Sports Center. As promised, Vincent, the new soccer CAD coming on. Josh, how's it going this morning? Excellent, sir. How about y'all? Pretty good, pretty good. First off, congrats on the on the new position. Considering you were already at Soccer as the assistant principal, how easy does that make this transition for you? Uh there's going to be some easy parts. There's going to be some more uh, harder harder parts in terms of knowing the uh, community, knowing the school, knowing the coaches, knowing the athletes, knowing the people here, the uh, stake, stake, the uh, stakeholders. That's going to be easy because I don't have to get to know, you know, I don't, I don't have to relearn the com, com, community. So I, I'm excited about that. Just anytime you transition within a building to another role, you know, you've got to, you know, I've had some good relationships with people and want to continue that. But anytime you change roles, your relationships with people and, you know, how you deal with folks could 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 always change. So, you know, I'm, I'm excited about that. But just like I told Mr. Rich, I'm just ready to get going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you, you mentioned it right there. Your relationships change. A lot of things change. What would you say are the biggest differences in how you have to navigate things as the athletic director as compared to how you were doing things as the assistant principal? Oh, you know, when you're the assistant principal, you know, we're assigned a ball game duty a night or a ball game duty a week. And, you know, I try to come to all the sporting events that I can anyway, even if I'm not assigned to them, just because I love sports and I have a daughter that 
very active in sports at, at Socastee, so I try to come to all of her games as well and other games. But just that knowing that, you know, you're going to be at almost all the uh, sporting events, uh, being the guy over there watching, making sure that, you know, the bathrooms don't clog and that people are doing other things, you know, be, you know, having to really watch what our fans are doing, what our athletes are doing, what our coaches are doing, and just really walk around and see what we can do to make things better. So it's even though I've been here, it's you know when you really take a look at what's going on, you know you start making lists of things that you really want to improve upon. You you mentioned that your your daughter is on the soccer team. How big of that is that yeah. for you to not just uh, you know not just have football and and basketball be strong, but the other non non revenue sports as well. Well, let me fix that because she could get mad at me. She plays lacrosse and she runs cross oh, country. Okay. So, no, and no, you're fine. No, and it's what I tell people all the time. When I was back in North Carolina, when I was athletic director, I was an assistant football coach. I was an assistant basketball coach. I was also the head golf coach. So I've coached the two sports that everyone that are probably the two of the higher profile sports, and then I coach the sport that most people don't know much about because it's off campus and you know nothing's ever on campus for people to come watch. It's usually just parents in a uh, golf cart or just walking around a course. So, and having daughters, you know, that, you know, I believe in the equity of sports. I truly believe that to the young lady playing lacrosse or soccer means just as much to her as the young man playing basketball or for football. And so just because the sport, it's seen as high, it's seen as a, a revenue maker or seen as higher profile. Doesn't mean that that sport's not as important to that athlete and to those parents. So I'm a big b- b- believer in 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 equity in sports, and that's one of the first things I did back at my old school. Is you know, bought track uniforms and softball uniforms and JV softball equipment, stuff that for years had just sort of gotten pushed down the road either for funding or just for whatever reason. So that's one of the things we really want to make sure that our boys and girls sports are treated are treated equally and have the same amount of support. And, and one part, I, at least I think, of that mantra that you have is you mentioned in an interview right after you were hired that you want to make the, the facilities at Socrates among the best in the state. How How do you go about doing that? Yeah, I, I've read that quote over and over and over again, and I truly believe it. And I know it's going to be hard. I mean, I I, I am a realist, but I'm also a, a dreamer. If, if those two can actually be in the uh, same idea, first thing, you know, really got to walk around this place with my principal, and, and we did this yesterday, and just really take take stock of what do we have, what what do we need to do right now to get us to some sort of level playing field with some of the or, other Ori County schools. And then, you know, I've met with our athletic association, uh, meeting with vendors this week and next week to start getting prices. Because it doesn't do me any good to go to a local uh, a business and say, yeah, look, I want you to be a flagship partner in this revitalization of our facilities if I don't have a price tag, if I don't have some drawings and some design ideas. That's what I've spent the last week or so I'm going to spend next week trying to get some plans drawn up, get some real legitimate prices, 
It's like you start going down Foxy Boulevard, Parsbrook, 544, uh, 17. You know, you know, one of the goals I have is to walk into every single business in this com- community, hand them a business card, and, and show them a copy of our plan, and really get this community revitalized, get them re- re- rejuvenated, and get them excited to make our f- facilities the best in Horry County as soon as we can. And, and I want to be on par with the Dutch Forks and Spring Valleys. Went to the state track meet this past week and watched one of our young men win the uh, 400 meters and looked at Spring Valley's track and stadium. And, and there's no reason we can't do that here. And the Horry County's done a really good job the last, the last year getting new tracks. We're on, uh, we're on the schedule for a, a brand new track within the next year or two, and in that time, I'd, we're going to try to upgrade bleachers, scoreboards, synthetic turf in the uh, stadium, redo our, our practice field. I mean, the only way I know how to do it is work with the district and to beat the bushes for money. What else you got for me? Sorry about that. Having some uh, technical difficulties. uh, uh, I'm the assistant principal over technology. I understand that. (laughs) (laughs) Technology is a wonderful thing um, as long as it works. Exactly, exactly. But what would you say is the time frame for, for a project like that? Well, right now, our you know, I want to do some things that our community can see some tangible things. And our athletic association does a wonderful job supporting our athletes with senior banners and, and all kinds of things that are, that are sometimes difficult for the community to see what their money is going to. So, you know, our plan is to do some, to do some real tangible things. Probably number one would be our bleachers at our baseball and, and softball fields. We have beautiful fields. You know, I'll put our softball field up against any field in the state but our bleacher situation, the fencing around it, and that's some of the things we're really going to start working on. And we were out here yesterday, you know, getting prices, getting quotes, you know, really trying to work with the uh, uh, district and try to get this fixed as soon as we can. I mean, my goal for this is to have new bleachers and updated facilities around our baseball softball field by next season that our athletic association was working on was an indoor practice facility to be used by baseball, softball, football, lacrosse, soccer, track for the entire athletic department. You know, we've raised money waiting to get that bid out, to, to, to get that built. And probably one of the more visible projects that I'm working on right now is a new scoreboard in our stadium. You know, I've met with a couple of vendors, going to meet with some more to get some prices and, you know, being a, you know, I'd love to say by August 27th, we have our first home game. We'll have a brand new, beautiful video board. <laughs> I, I can't promise that, but I'd love to have it by spring. So when we start playing lacrosse and soccer and by next football season, have a new video board put in to replace our current scoreboard. Then we're going to replace our scoreboards at softball, baseball, and in our gyms. And I truly believe if we do some stuff that people can see, community excited and we can all be honest if you know the more the more the more successful we are on the playing fields and on the courts 
you know, winning opens wallets. And, and people want to be part of a winning program, and that's – we've had a really good season here. We've won over half a dozen region championships, uh, lower state tennis and state state championship tennis for our girls. We had a young man, Tariq Hills, win the uh, 400 meters at the state track meet. I mean, we've had a great year. Just want to keep building on that. And I think that's – I think athletic success will breed financial success which will breed the ability to really help get our facilities where I want them. Yeah, it, it seems like you're planning on doing it, you know, you want to do it yourself, uh, you know, for Socrates and get the funding, you know, through boosters and stuff like that. But especially after seeing what Florence County did with their facilities <laughs> over the last two years, some in Oregon County would like to see the same done here. Would that be something you'd like to see done, or would you rather see each school do it themselves and track their own path? So would I rather beat the bushes and raise a bunch of money on my own or have the district pay for it? That, that's an easy question. Yeah. I'd much rather have the district be a, a partner and, and, and really help us so then that'll allow me the chance to raise money to do other things to mm-hmm. make it even more special for our for our athletes. And I have no doubt Ori County's Ori County's been a great partner. They're going to be a great partner with with athletics with the new position of a district athletic director coming on board. I think that'll be a mm-hmm. great resource for us at the school level, just to have just to have someone that can that can really come and talk back to our, to our school board. You know, this is what we have at Socasty, Loris, Carolina Forest, St. James. You know, this is what other school districts have. You know, what Florence one did is, is phenomenal. You know, three tracks, three stadiums, field houses, weight rooms. I mean, that, that you know, that's what I want here as, as well. And I know Warren mm-hmm. County's working on the tracks. Uh, they're redoing tennis courts, so and I, you know, I would love to see us do exactly what Florence One did, and just to give our athletes in uh, Horry County the same experience in Florence, at Char in you know Charleston, in Columbia, Spartanburg, Greenville. I mean, yeah. That is obviously our, our 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 goal, and the more that the district helps, the more our booster club and myself can raise money. For other things, you know, we can start raising money for our want instead of always having to raise money just for our needs. Yeah, that that that's a good point. You mentioned, uh, you know, the the report of a district wide athletic director being, you know, pr- more than likely being named for Horry County Schools in the near future. I'm assuming, based on what you said right there, you're in favor of. Uh, that happening, how do you think that would impact your job as AD along with uh, the other ADs in the county? I, I am I'm definitely in, in favor of it. I think one thing, it gives, it, gives, it gives the ADs one person to talk to about athletics, one person to talk to about eligibility concerns, about a concern with a parent's behavior, concern with a student, concern with a transfer, concern – with whatever that deals with athletics, it gives us, you know, that one-stop shop, someone that can set a countywide goal and philosophy, whether that's 
facilities, whether it's for ticketing. You know, one of the things this year we all did online ticketing. We also did some different things with how we accepted South Carolina high school league passes or Horry County passes or top 65. Just This is someone I think come in and, well, each school's different. We have our own needs, wants, and com- community concerns. We need some uniformity in some in some things. I think that county athletic director will sort of help set that tone. It'll just give us another resource to help if there are issues. So I'm definitely in favor of it. Yeah, that that's a very good point. Overall, what's the most what's the thing you're most looking forward to uh, heading into next year? That's a great question. That's the one question I don't think anybody's asked me yet. That's a, <laughs> and, and I, I sort of joked with my uh, principal. I've been an assistant principal here for six years. I've been a finalist for a, a principal job, and no one's really can, been, you know, too concerned who I was and where I was from and what I thought on some things. But you become an athletic director, and all of a sudden people want to know about you. So uh, hmm. the thing I'm most excited about is is really seeing the development and the growth that I've seen in our sports with some of our with some of our new hires and coaching. And I'm I'm excited for this fall and football season and and volleyball season. Just excited, just excited to get going and hopefully have as normal a year, non-COVID mm-hmm. restrictions. We hope and have a full stadium and the band playing and the chair and just getting back to that high school experience. Cause this one thing that I've always, I, I loved high school. I loved mm-hmm. my high school so much. I went back to work at my high school, mm-hmm. coached and taught there for years. I, I love the high school experience. I won't think I'm most excited about probably that first Friday night. I think uh, August 27th, I think, uh, Lord, I'll have a friend of me. I'm pretty sure we host Aner. So I'm just excited for that just to have, the stands full, the band playing, the cheerleaders cheering, the brave bands dancing, the football players playing, the, the student section going, just ready to get back to the normal high school athletic experience and just just ready for that. How do you – have you heard anything? I know you're kind of speculating on it right now, but has the district said anything about the likelihood of that happening thus far? Not yet. That's just me speculating and pontificating based off of other things. We're starting to open up some things, you know. So we don't know. You know, one of the things I I would love to sell season tickets for our our football program, but I don't want to start that until I know capacity numbers and any type of restrictions. So we're still waiting on that. I know there's been this, this discussions. So just waiting on final word. What are what are we going to do in terms of our our, our capacity and space? Like inside, you know, our, our gym, we had a capacity of mm-hmm. 250 people. That's not a lot of people. So you know, yeah. hope is people are doing what they're you know everybody's going to do what they're supposed to do and you know wear a mask, don't wear you know do whatever you think's right so we can get back to, to normal and then you know get our gyms open, our, our our stadiums open. I'm sure we'll find that out in the next couple of weeks. So we can start making plans. 
for social distancing if we if we if we have to. But you know, hopefully we're full we're full yeah. capacity. I know I'm a Carolina Panther season, season ticket holder, and I know they're going to be full capacity. So I think South Carolina and Clemson have said they're full capacity. So yeah. that's I'm just sort of anticipating that based off what the pro and college teams are doing. Yeah. Yeah, that's how, that seems like uh, the way it's going right now. So it, it'll be good to have everything, uh, you know, back to normal next season. A full ten game season for uh, for football. So I'm definitely looking forward to it. I'm sure you are. I'll be seeing you uh, on October 22nd when uh, Sea comes out to play Carolina for us. So looking forward yes, to all that. Perfect. Well, thanks for joining me this morning, and uh, good yes, luck sir. with everything this summer. And like I said, if, if you know if anybody's listening, wants to become a flagship partner and helping us get these athletic facilities at Soxie going, I'm at the school most of the time. Just call Soxie High School and ask for and ask for me. <laughs> there you go. Thanks a lot for joining me this morning, right, guys. Thank you, sir. Yes, yes, sir. Thank thanks, you. Y'all. That was Josh Vinson, new soccer CAD, and sounds like he has some big plans and uh, really wants to really wants really to, wants get, to get, things, get things going. Uh, really wants really to, want get to get things going uh, in, you know, at soccer get get the. Uh, get that school back up to where a lot of people feel like it should be. Uh, I'm sure I'm sure Richie Altman would agree with me on that. That he he would love his alma mater to uh, get back to where uh, a lot of the alumni feel that that it needs to be. Uh, Region six four Region six five A has been kind of has been interesting. You know, Saint Saint James has always been known as kind of the cellar dweller, and you know that's where they are. Uh, for the most part, but, you know, uh, Sumter has always been considered a good team, but they're, you know, they're the cream of the crop now in, in region six, uh, you know, Conway and Sockacy have always had the traditional powerhouses. They've been the, the blue bloods of that region, but as of late, Carolina Forest and and Sumter have been, you know, obviously Sumter just came back into the region. But Carolina Forest out of the, the three, well, out of the four Myrtle Beach area schools, Myrtle Beach slash Conway schools, you know, the the traditional powerhouses are Conway and Sockety, but Carolina Forest has been the, the top dog for, you know, the last few years. And so Sockacy and Conway especially would love to get back to their winning ways uh, on the football field and, and obviously in baseball this season, uh, but got dis- a disappointing finish to the season. But they would certainly love to, you know, get back to where they feel they should be, and and it looks like. Josh Vincent has them on the right path. So it's it's gonna be very interesting to see how, how that turns out and, and how that how all of that plays out uh for for Sockesty. 
as uh, we are a little over seven minutes away from uh, Brandon Dunn joining me at nine o'clock. I haven't talked to him in a while, so it'll be good to chat with him again. I have a bunch of uh, have a bunch of things to talk about with him uh, this morning. Talk about. Uh, talk about the end of the season, how how that's going, uh, where things things are going, uh, you know, on that level, all all of that good stuff. Uh, so you know, it, it it's it, it's always good to have. Uh, you know, it's always fun to talk to these guys. It's always fun to, uh, always fun to be able to, you know, con- conversate with these guys and you know, get get their thoughts on on a bunch of different things. Uh, so yeah, you know, great great conversation with Josh Vincent, uh, and you know, Sox looks so. I will take a quick break and we will come back in just a little bit. We'll have like I mentioned, we'll have Brandon Dunn on at nine o'clock and then we will talk to or and then after that I'll have the phone lines wide open and if you want and and at the we'll also finish off the show with some NBA and NHL playoff talk and a very, very wacky play that happened uh, last night or yesterday afternoon, rather, uh, in the MLB. And if you if you guys did if you guys haven't seen it yet, you're I, I'm gonna kind of spoil it for you. It doesn't. If I'm sure, if you listened to the radio call, it was great there. As well. but I feel like it won't hold up as well if you can't see it. So I'll preview it for you. But it's something that you you definitely need to go and find, go and check out when I mention it. But it's something that. Certain teams are just known for making these types of plays. And he was one of those teams making a very boneheaded play. And they are just now going to be the laughing stock of the entire baseball world, if not the sports world, for at least the next couple of days. So that that that's your little teaser for, for what I have in store coming up. Uh, but like I mentioned, talk about after we Brandon Dunn coming up at in just a few minutes. Then uh, then we'll talk. Then we'll do some NBA talk, some NHL talk. Talk about the playoffs. Talk about a few college things, and and give you that funny little uh, thing from from this past week in the MLB. So be sure to stay tuned right here on Sports Unlimited on Southern Sports Central. We'll be right back with Brandy Dunn from WPDE.
can't begin to know it, but then I know it's growing strong. Wasn't the spring, and spring became the summer, who'd have believed you'd come along? Touching hands, reaching out, touching me, touching you. Welcome back to Sports Unlimited right here on Southern Sports Central. My name is Brandon Biscobing as we await Brandon Dunn calling in. Brandon Dunn from WPDE will talk about a bunch of different things going on around the Grand Strand in PD, both currently in terms of baseball, talk about baseball playoffs, what he thought of the overall season uh, this year with uh with all of the teams uh in the in the area and then also talk about the future talk about some of the new hires that have happened over the last couple of weeks uh here on the Grand Strand and, and the PD so 
awaiting him to call in. And in the meantime, like I mentioned, I'll uh, give you a quick rundown of of what to expect. Uh, you know, what to expect uh, for the rest of the hour after we talk to Brandon Dunn, talk some MLB, talk uh, NBA playoffs, talk NHL playoffs. Uh, got a bunch of stuff to talk about with that some MLB wackiness and uh an NFL legend has called it quits and then of course a few a few other a few college notes uh so lots of things to talk about still waiting on uh on Brandon to call in so as soon as he calls in we will uh we will talk to him in the meantime since i since i've got the time to mention it i will i i will talk about that that wacky play in the mlb if you guys didn't see it go go check it out you could look up pirates cubs wacky player just look up pirates cubs and and i'm sure it will pop up but yesterday afternoon in the game between the Pittsburgh Pirates and the Chicago Cubs, a a slow ground ball was hit down the first base line. The first baseman fielded it in front of the first base bag. Instead of just running it back, just instead of just taking it back to the to the first base for the fourth out. Granted, there was a runner on third base, so he was kind of trying to look the runner back. They didn't want to turn his back on the runner. But instead of going and stepping on the bag, he tries to tag the runner out. And and I don't know if this is... I don't know if this is a smart move or a boneheaded move or what? Honestly, it was a it was boneheaded moves on both sides of the ball, and it just kind of ended up working out. I guess you could say it ended it ended up working out for the offense. The batter decides to go head back home, drawing the first baseman into. Essentially, he was trying to draw the first baseman into a pickle. And it worked. Um, he he draws the first, you know, he, he starts running back. He draws the first baseman in. While at the same time, the runner at third decides to go home. And then, and then in the process of the first baseman throwing the ball to the catcher to try to get the runner out at home, which the runner was safe, the batter ends up going to first base and get and sliding in safely. It was such a wacky play, 
it was actually kind of a brilliant move by now, now that I really think about it, it was a brilliant move by the the runner. It was a very boneheaded move by the the first baseman because all the first baseman had to do was first off he could have just stepped on the bag. He could have just gone back a few steps. I don't think the runner would have been able to he could have just, you know, gone back, stepped on the bag and then immediately fired home to make sure that the runner didn't go home. But on top of that, the first baseman, even if he was, you know, trying to make sure that the runner from third didn't go home, he should have just ran the runner back or ran the batter back to the plate while at the same time making sure he was keeping his eye on the runner at first at, at third base. It was one of the wackiest, if not the wackiest plays I've ever seen. And and this is talking about this is this is baseball we're talking about where, you know, the the wacky and the absurd is is commonplace. You know, you know, baseball is, is known for its strange plays. This has this has to be one of the craziest plays I've ever seen in a baseball game. And it was just a very boneheaded play by the, the first baseman of Pittsburgh. And, you know, like we say, you know, there are certain teams, like I said before, there are certain teams that you just expect it. And you basically just say, you know, for baseball, it's Pittsburgh's going to Pittsburgh uh, or Milwaukee's going to Milwaukee. You know, Pirates are going to Pirates, or Brewers are going to Brewers. Back in the day, it was Cubs are going to Cubs. Now, not so much, but, you know, they're they're not all that great either. But, you know, in, in football, it's Browns are going to Browns, or Jets are going to Jets. You know, in, in basketball, it really isn't. I, I Well, prior to this year, you'd say Knicks are going to Knicks. You know, them making their bonehead decisions. Dolan. But, you know, hockey, they're really, I guess, you know, in the past, again, Maple Leafs are going to Maple Leafs. But, you know, there are certain teams that you just kind of expect these sorts of shenanigans from. And it's, it's, it's terrible that we have to say it, but, you know, it it is what it is. Uh, that's just the way sports work sometimes. Uh, so, does not look as though Brandon Dunn will be able to join me uh, this morning. Uh, kind of unfortunate. I hope everything's all right with him. Uh, but, so, you know, so yeah, like I said, you know, this it it was just it was one of the wackiest and craziest plays I've ever seen and it was just a very boneheaded decision by the Pirates first baseman. That's all I can say about that. Um 
before we get into the the main crux of of our uh national news and and if you want to call in if you've got anything you want to talk about uh be sure to do so right now three two three seven eight four nine six one is the number to call that number again three two three seven eight four nine six eight one before we get into some playoff talk go through a few uh small little uh Notes first NFL news Adam Vinatieri announced on the Pat McAfee show that he is retiring. I mean, it's not really all that surprising in the sense that he's he's getting up there. Getting up there in age. I mean, think about it. He was kicking field goals. He started the Patriots dynasty essentially back in two thousand and one. Twenty years. And he he has to go down as one of the best and most clutch kickers in NFL history. He basically, him along with Tom Brady, essentially kick-started the Patriots dynasty. Uh, unfortunately, later on in his, in his career, when he went to the Colts, not as... Uh, not as productive and not as memorable. He's another player. You know, two... Two players have retired this year or are retiring this year that have similar trajectories. Started off their careers very hot. Uh, started off, you know, being very well known and and being you know big time players and being clutch players and being on winning teams and all of that, and then. One a little more than the other, I would say. And maybe this is just because of uh, the popularity of football. But uh, both of them kind of fell into relative obscurity later on in their careers once they switched teams. And those two players I'm talking about, of course, are both, are Adam Vinatieri, of course, and Albert Pujols. Because both of them, with their first team, with their original team, they were dynamic. They were considered the, you know, among the best in their, you know, in their sport. But now, as they are retiring, you know, a lot of people are like, "Oh wow, they're still playing." I didn't even realize. It's disappointing. It, it's it's definitely disappointing, but. Yeah, it it is what it is. Some quick college notes. Uh, technically from last week, uh, I didn't get the chance to uh, didn't get a chance to mention these last week, but I'll mention them now. Uh, the basketball rules committee uh, met a couple of weeks ago and made some recommendations uh, for some changes. Uh, there will be technical fouls for flops, which I'm all for. Let's let's get the flopping out of the game. Uh, let's you know, let's get some you know, you know, if you get fouled, you get fouled. Um, you know, let, let's let's not flop. Uh, there will be a six foul experiment at for the NIT this year. 
uh, that six style experiment being, you know, each player gets, but they will be divided into two sets of three per half. And so if you foul three, if you get fouled three times, or if you get fouled, you know, let's say two times in the first half and then four times in the second, you're out. So it it's going to be interesting to see how it how that works. I'm not I'm not really much of a fan of it because it changes a lot of things. You know, the NBA isn't like that. You don't have you know. I I just it it's it. it I have a feeling it's going to make for some issues because if you get fouled twice. Now, granted, if you get fouled twice in the first half, more, you know, with the current rule, with it being five, more than likely you're getting sat out anyway for the rest of the half. But now even more so, it's like, okay, we're not going to see him for the remainder of the half. And, and you know, that's, uh, that's going to, I have a feeling it's going to cause some issues. You know, we'll have to wait and see. We'll have to wait and see what happens. But, you know, I have a feeling it's going to create some issues. And then one final rule. uh, Team timeouts can now become media timeouts, which they already started. They they kind of started this uh, a while back um, with, the first called timeout in the second half being expanded into a media timeout if the first media timeout hadn't already be t- been taken. Um, but this now kind of brings it more in line with uh, the NBA. But personally for me, both as a viewer and as a broadcaster, make your you know, it makes it a little trickier now. Because back prior to this, it was very simple, especially in college. It was, there was a media timeout every four minutes at the 16, 12, 8, and 4 marks. You know, under under those times. First dead ball after each of those time periods. And so you knew if you were watching the clock, whether it was you know if it was whether it was while calling a game and knowing okay, next dead ball we have to go to a break, or if you're watching a game and you're if you're like me and you you channel flip through multiple games each night, you're like okay, this game has two minutes before I flip. Or before there's the potential that I can flip. So there's, you know, that's why I, I prefer that rule or like hockey over like the NBA rule because you never really know when a timeout is going to be called and whatnot. Uh, but, you know, it it is what it is. It is what it is. Uh, so it... it, it We'll see how that works. We'll see how that works. I'm not the biggest fan of that that change. I'm not the the only the only one out of the three that I'm really a fan of is the technical fouls for flops. But the but even with that one, you have to think 
there's issues with that because how do you determine that? Is it going to be where are, are you going to have to review it? That's going to slow down the game. People have talked about too many replays. Uh, you know, it it creates this gray area because you know, it, it it's going to create this gray area where I feel like a lot of things are going to have to be reviewed. Because especially late in a game, let's say someone goes to try to create and take a charge, and and they like they try to sell it, even if they got hit, you know the team the 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 team on offense is going to say, hey, he flopped. We should get a technical and get the ball back. And so it's especially in those late game scenarios, I can easily see it creating some issues. You know, I'm sure they're going to square this all out and figure out the logistics of it in the coming months, but it's something that I think the the NCAA really needs to be wary of because you don't know what's what's gonna happen with with something like that. Uh, one other college note before I take a break: uh, ACC is wanting expansion of the amount of scholarships class. Many expected to be expanded sooner rather than later, which I'm personally all for. I I think uh, the amount of scholarships allowed for each team and each sport and everything should be expanded. But granted, this may, I mean, I doubt it will, but this could theoretically all become a moot point because this all could become a moot point because if if you guys have been following the news, uh, a couple of senators have uh, put out legislation. I doubt it's going to pass, but they're trying to push for players to become employees of the university. Now, that would change things in so many different ways, there would be so much of a butterfly effect to that that I don't know how that would impact things. Uh, I'm not sure if that's necessarily the way you want to go with this because it's leading to a lot of problems. I think... Here, here's my opinion. I, you know, I, I've talked about this periodically, but not really in depth. Here's my thought on how to handle the compensation issue of college athletics, particularly college football and basketball. Institutionally, 
And in terms of institutionally and in terms of how the players are are perceived and how how they're classified and and all of that i still think they should be considered student athletes they should not be getting paid directly from the school unless you want to consider them essentially like like how you see with other students where they can get a job with the university. Unless you wanted to do it in that way. But that would be limited pay. You know, you, you could get paid a little bit. But, you know, but I think at most I would say that that's how it should be done, where it's equivalent to other students on campus that they should be paid directly from the school outside of scholarships and and whatnot. Keep the amateurism aspect in that sense that is not directly from the school. But on the flip side, treat them like any other student in the sense that they can go, you know, if Let's say you're a big time and you're using the university and maybe even helping the university promote itself through your YouTube channel. Does that go against, I mean, I know there's, there's, differences in terms of sports with the concept of amateurism and all of that. But let's just, let's move past that. Let's move past that. If you're a big time YouTube star or, you know, or, you know, you come into the university with a fan base of some kind are they then are they going to deny you the ability to market yourself off of that no if anything they may use you as a means to market them and may theoretically pay you themselves in that sense, or or at least give you a scholarship or whatnot, or give you some sort of perks because you're perceivably making them money. But you're not limited on what you can and can't do outside of the university at all. So that, so the concept of amateurism in that sense I think is flawed because no other student is held to that standard. So I would not say pay the players. Um, You know, I would not say pay the players directly, but do not, you know, do not withhold them from getting opportunities elsewhere. Players should have free reign to be able to go and say, 
I want to make, you know, I want to make money here, here, and here. You know, I want to go and I I want to go and promote myself and and make money by getting a sponsorship deal with XYZ. And so that's my overall thought on on how this whole whole thing should work. That that that's how that's how this whole thing should work. You know, players should be allowed to do what they want to do in terms of making money themselves, but the but the university should not be paying the players directly. Now in terms of, you know, more in terms of broader things that would require like a general consensus of of the players, they should definitely be able to unionize in terms for that. Uh, you know, in terms of, you know, for for example, probably the biggest example I would say is, you know, with the college football game that EA Sports is planning on rolling out in a couple of years. Or if they want to bring back college basketball, you know, for video games, for other entertainment properties, if they want to use college players as a whole, then they certainly should be able to unionize in that way. So that's my overall thought on on that on that whole situation. Yeah, so I because I just think that cuz here's the other thing. If if they if players are able to be paid directly. First off, it's going to create a lot of problems when it comes to the non-revenue sports. Secondly, it's going to create a lot of problems when it comes to the disparity that we already see between the big budget and small budget programs. Thirdly, it's just, you know, we see it already with the transfer transfer portal. It would be even more so the Wild West when it came to players, you know, it would essentially be a free agent system where, you know, Oh, I can just transfer and you know, like it, there would be, you know, that's one thing that a lot of people who talk about this stuff don't necessarily take into consideration when it comes to paying players directly is that it would then create a whole new set of problems. And those problems you don't know how they're going to impact the sport. So I think let let the NIL stuff work. Let them get paid in that way. But then, you know, don't pay them otherwise. That's my opinion. I'll take a quick break and then come right back. Last half hour, I'll spend talking about the NHL and NBA playoffs right here on Sports Unlimited on Southern Sports Central.
Welcome back to Sports Unlimited right here on Southern Sports Central. And as promised, we'll switch gears, talk about the NHL playoffs first. Uh, Stanley Cup playoffs will start out in the West and in the U.S. bracket of the Western Conference. That's what I'll call it. Uh, in the Western Division, Colorado swept St. Louis 4 nothing to move on to the second round, which isn't really all that surprising. Uh, I I wasn't sure if I expected a sweep necessarily, but I certainly expected Colorado to win that series. And when they did... On the other side of that bracket, you've got Vegas and Minnesota, Golden Knights and the Wild, tied three apiece. And they will face off in Game 7, the deciding game tonight in Vegas. Vegas a minus one eighty and I I would have to agree with that. Vegas, I think you know. Don't get me wrong, Minnesota has put up a hell of a fight in that series, and they certainly can win. They have the the talent to win, but I think Vegas just has way too much for the Wild to contend with, and and. Las Vegas, the Golden Knights move on to the second round tonight. In the other bracket in the in the North Division, in the Canada Division, Toronto and Montreal. Montreal won last night in overtime four three, uh, to bring the lead bring the series to three to two. Toronto leading the series three two. And those two will face off again in game six on Saturday. I think Toronto just has too much. Uh, You know, don't get me wrong. Montreal has put up a hell of a fight there. But I think Toronto just has a little too much. And Toronto will win on Saturday, clinching that spot. And, And winning that one. Uh, Winnipeg swept. Edmonton, which was a bit of a surprise. Uh, you know, Winnipeg being the number three seed. Uh, and, you know, Edmonton coming into the series looking to be a very, you know, strong team. But it will, uh, that will, you know, I, I think Win- Winnipeg has a chance. But I think I'd have to go with Toronto in in that series. Uh, real quick before we go any go to the other side of the bracket, go to the eastern side. Uh, I think between Colorado and Vegas, it's going to be close series. I'm going to say it's going to go to seven. Uh, but I I think the Avalanche will be able to pull that one out. Uh, just look at how much they dominated St. Louis, whereas the Vegas, the Golden Knights have had issues with Minnesota. I think the Avalanche, it will go to seven games, I think, 
but Colorado will win that series. And then uh, on the other side, I think Toronto will be able to beat Winnipeg. Uh, that game, I think, may go six, maybe even seven as well. Uh, and then I, I think Colorado wins it, Get is the Western Conference uh, representative in the Stanley Cup. On the flip side, on in, in the East, uh, Islanders, and I, I said last week, I thought, I didn't think the Islanders had enough to come back in the series. Islanders were down 2-1 uh, in the series. Pittsburgh, you know, Pitt, you know, Islanders won the first game, uh, but then Pittsburgh came back and won the next two, and I was thinking, okay, Pittsburgh's got the momentum. And that's what I said last week after Pittsburgh won uh, five to four in game three last week. But Islanders proved me wrong. Won three straight to clinch the series and and move on to the second round. And with how well they played against Pittsburgh, they're a legitimate threat. Boston, same thing. You You know, when I talked about it last week, uh, you know, Boston was de- was up two one. I I thought it was gonna be a close series. I thought it would go seven. Didn't go didn't go seven. Only went five. You know, after Washington won the first game, Boston dominated. Just utterly dominated. I mean, the game. Granted, the first three games, each of the first three games, all went into overtime, with game three going into double overtime. But. Outside of that, you know, the the last two games, Boston, you know, four one in game four, three one in game five, you know, Boston's strong. I think this series, Islanders against Boston, Islanders against Bruins, is going to be one of the best series, if not the best series in in the Stanley Cup playoffs this season, and. I definitely think it's going to go seven. It's going to go to seven games. And I'm having a tough time deciding who I think will win this one. I'm going to pick Islanders, though. I, I think New York is the momentum of knowing, you know, these you know these could potentially be the last games in Nassau Coliseum. On the flip side, Carolina beat Nashville pretty handily. Tampa Bay beat Florida pretty handily. They'll face off against each other. I think Carolina moves on. This one, I think, will at least go six. But I think Carolina moves on. And then Islanders against Carolina, definitely think it goes seven. And I have I have no idea who I'd pick in that one. I think I'd probably pick Carolina, but it would not at all surprise me if the Islanders won. And a matchup between Colorado and either one of those two teams. Let's say Colorado and Carolina. I I think Colorado will win it all. I think Carolina, or excuse me, I think Colorado will win the Stanley Cup, will win the Stanley Cup this year. So those are my predictions for the NHL playoffs, for the Stanley Cup playoffs. I'll transition over now, finish things off. Uh, with the NBA playoffs, 
giving you my overall thoughts on everything just because even if I do do a show next week, still won't be able to give you my, I'd have to give you my predictions for everything before, uh, before the, the series, the series is ended. Um, so just kind of getting everything out of the way, just in case this is my last show for a while, but Moving on to the NBA playoffs. First off, Memphis pulling off the upset against Golden State in the playing game and being the only non-top uh, seed to win. The not the the only non-upper upper seed to win. And. I I think Utah kind of dodged the bullet because while, yes, Memphis is a good team, I think Golden State would have given them more of an issue, especially Steph Curry. But this series is tied 1-1 currently, but I think Utah just has too much for Memphis. I think Memphis is able to play. It may go six, probably won't go seven, but I think Memphis wins this. Clippers against Dallas. This has been a very, very interesting series. Dallas currently up 2 nothing On both fronts. More so on the Clippers side, though. These are not the same two teams that met up last year. And here's the main reason why. The Clippers do not have the hype that they had last year going into the playoffs. Last year, everyone was talking about, oh, L.A. versus L.A. in the Western Conference Finals. And that's what everyone wanted. That's what everyone expected. And the league tried as hard as they could to give it to them. Didn't work out. It didn't after all. But the, late, but the league essentially handed the Clippers that first-round win over... Dallas. And if you guys don't remember, it involved Christoph Porzingis getting two very ticky-tacky technical fouls, getting ejected in the first game when the Mavericks could have very easily won that game and gotten some momentum to start off the series, and everything just went downhill from there. But this, now... With no refs, have, you know, they don't have to fight against the refs as well. Dallas is winning. And so, do I think Dallas gets any further than the first round? Not sure. Do I think they're going to sweep the Clippers? Probably not. But do I think that the the Mavericks are going to win this series? Oh, absolutely. They're up to nothing. They're playing. They're on a tear right now. They're playing very well. They're playing consistently. They're doing everything right. Luka Doncic is dominant right now. Porzingis is playing well. I just don't see, unless they go on an incredible cold streak. I just see how they lose this series. 
So I, I, I think Dallas, I don't, like I said, I don't think they're going to sweep the Clippers. Clippers will at least win one game, maybe two. But, I, but Dallas almost assuredly is moving on. Going down to, in uh, game three, by the way, is tonight. And I'll say, let's see, this, this game uh, is at Dallas. So especially with it being at Dallas. Uh, well, actually, now that I look at the schedule, for these two, for for this matchup, I could see because Dallas has won on the road twice already. I I could see Dallas potentially sweeping the Clippers. I I don't think it'll happen even with them being at home because I think they'll get complacent in one of these games. But it wouldn't surprise me at the same time. At the same time, it wouldn't surprise me for them to to sweep the Clippers now. But we'll just have to wait and see on that one. Moving on down, Denver and Portland. Denver leading the series 2-1. I think Portland will make it a series. Um, Whether or not they win tomorrow, I don't know. Uh, but I think it at least goes six, but I do think Denver will, will win this series. Phoenix and LA, this is one of the wackiest ones because LA is a six seed and especially in recent history, team lower than a five seed, you're thinking, Oh, there's no, or excuse me, LA is a seven seed. Any 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 team lower than a five seed, you're thinking, oh, there's no way they're gonna win, especially in the West. Because while while the West was has always been good and has always had good teams from top to bottom. Well, well, in the East too, honestly, in both division, in both conferences. But it, the league has been so top heavy for so long. And now, granted, this is not your ordinary seven seed. This is the Los Angeles Lakers with LeBron James and Anthony Davis. They should, in a normal season. They would probably be a one or at least a two seed. But remember, this is not a regular season. This was a truncated, truncated season. LeBron had injury issues. AD had injury issues. They were not healthy the entire season. Do I think Phoenix is going to make it a game considering how they've been playing so far? Make it a series considering how they've been playing? Absolutely. Do I see it going seven? Perhaps. Six? Definitely. But especially considering they're gonna, the, the Suns are going to have to battle against both the Lakers and the league, Lakers are going to win the series. 
I'm just being truthful here. So Lakers are going to win that series, hands down. uh, Moving forward, uh, Utah against Dallas. I definitely see that series going seven. But I think Utah is just going to have too much for Dallas. And then Denver and the Lakers. Lakers. I think Lakers in six, I would say. And then Utah against L.A., I think the Lakers, as long as they stay healthy. Now, that's the big question. That's going to be the big question for this entire playoff run with the Lakers, is will they be able to remain healthy? Because one, you know, LeBron goes down or AD goes down. I have a feeling they're done. So that's going to be the big question mark there. Going over to the East. Philly is dominating Washington 2 nothing. I, I I don't see that changing anytime soon. Philly's going to win that series, potentially even sweep it. And and let me just say real quick, for for the fan that threw popcorn on Russell Westbrook, come on, man, really? I I, I just I don't get it. Okay. But it's neither here nor there. You know, he 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 he's been banned you know so be it. But come on. Knicks and Hawks series tie one one. This I have a feeling this series is gonna go I have a feeling this series is gonna go seven. And with it being in MSG that place rocking, Knicks being in the playoffs for the first time in ages. Yeah, Atlanta. First off, I as a as a Knicks fan myself, I am very happy that the Knicks are in the playoffs and to see MSG rocking the way it was, and and all of that. It's it's great. It's great. It's good for the game of basketball to see New York playing well. It just is. I don't care where you're from. I don't I don't care where you live in the country. It just is. When the Mecca is good, then the league and the sport is good. When the Mecca is healthy, the the sport is healthy. And I could see this going 7. But especially with that seventh game being in the Garden, I don't care how much Trey Young tries to do. I don't care how cold-blooded Trey Young is. Knicks are going to win this series. Now, do I think they're going to be able to beat Philly? Probably not. So I'll say Philly moves on from there. On the other side of the bracket, Milwaukee have been dominating Miami, which is surprising. Miami, remember, they're they're defending Eastern Conference champions right now. They made it to the NBA Finals last year. Now, granted, it was a different, it was a completely different scenario, bubble, rest, all of that. To go from that to now being probably being swept in the first round. Quite a fall from grace for the Heat. Not quite as bad as the Raptors, though. 
don't get me started on the Raptors, but yeah. Still not very good. But yeah, Milwaukee, I I think they'll sweep them. If not, if anything, they'll lose one game and then win the next. Brooklyn is dominating Boston and a lot of pundits a lot of pundits have been saying, Oh, I'm sold on Brooklyn being a legitimate threat, a legitimate contender, and they're showing that they can have the chemistry and everything. Don't get me wrong. Brooklyn's a good team. Or, excuse me, Boston's a good team. Boston's a good franchise. But I don't think this is the litmus test to say whether or not the Nets are the real deal. We've seen it too many times of big threes coming in with a lot of hype their first year and just not quite having the chemistry yet to win it all in that first year. Now, there are exceptions to the rule, like the Warriors a few years ago. But I don't think the Nets are that. Granted, Kevin Durant was part of that, part of that Warriors team. So you know, you never know. It may, it may happen. But I'm gonna hold judgment on that. I've been saying for months now that I don't think Glenn is quite up to snuff. Do I think they make it to the Eastern Conference Championship game? Maybe. I mean, they still have to go through Milwaukee. That's going to be a big litmus test. But I think if they're able to get through that, then they they have a chance. Don't get me wrong. They they have a chance. But do I think they do it this year? Probably not. Going through those next series, Philly and New York, I think Philly wins that one. I think New York puts up a fight. But again, they're kind of in the same boat as Brooklyn in a different way. Brooklyn is... The superstars need to get the chemistry. New York is their young stars need to get a little bit more experience. So this is going to be a very good learning p- pattern for New York. Hey, get one superstar in there. I think New York could be a legitimate threat in a couple of years. But Philly, I think, moves on from that, being New York. Milwaukee and Brooklyn, that's going to be the first of two straight big, big litmus litmus tests for Brooklyn. Because if Brooklyn is able to dominate Milwaukee and Giannis and then proceed to dominate the, the 76ers, and I think they have a legitimate shot at, at winning winning it all. But even if they win, if they struggle against Milwaukee and it goes seven, or struggle against 76ers and that goes seven, then whoever gets out of the West is going to eat them for breakfast. I do think Brooklyn gets past Milwaukee. Don't know about Philly. I think Philly finally the the 
the process finally gets them into an NBA championship. But then I think even they aren't quite where they need to be. And they get beat by LA in seven. So I'm picking the Lakers to win it all in seven over the 76ers. So there's my full uh, NBA NBA playoffs prediction. Uh, Like I mentioned, not sure what the game plan is for next week yet. May or may not have a show. If I do, I will talk to you guys next week. If not, I will be going on a hiatus for a good portion of the summer, at least, until uh, until the third week in July. So if, if I am not on next week, the next time I will be on will be the 23rd of July. Actually, the fourth week in July. So whether I talk to you, whether I talk to you guys in a couple of weeks, or in, excuse me, whether I talk to you guys next week, or I talk to you guys in a couple of months, if it is a couple of months, hope everyone has a good beginning and middle of the summer. And I will be back to give you full previews for every classification in the SEHSL for football. Getting you ready for the 2021 season. Talk about some SEC stuff. We'll also have Olympics by then. So I hope you guys will join me then. Hope you guys enjoyed the show.
Yo, ever heard of Jerknate? It's as fun, entertaining, and addictive as the most popular social network with a spicy, sexy twist. Comfy. Buck first. Your stepmom or your stepsister. But I love it. My little baby loves to be fucking yes. Expect better for me here in LA after so long. Oh thank, you. <laughs> thank you, John. Thank you, Chris. Now, guys, explain to me. I know in America, no, she's probably. This is so overwhelming and so intense, so good experience I never had before. I probably will never have again. What? <sighs> <sighs> LA after so long. Oh Thank God. you. Thank you. Expect better for me here in LA after so long. Oh Thank God. you. I know in America, no, she's crying. This is so overwhelming and so intense, so good experience I never had before. I probably will never have again. What?
Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VDW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.